Hello, and welcome to People of the Pod, brought to you by American Jewish Committee. Each week, we take you beyond the headlines to help you understand what they all mean for America, Israel, and the Jewish people. I'm your host, Manya Brashear-Pashman. Last April, Natalie Kahn, a student at Harvard University and an editor at the Harvard Crimson, was shocked when the editorial board of the campus newspaper, so central to her college experience, had endorsed the anti-Semitic boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement. But Jeffrey Greenberg, AJC's director of campus affairs, has seen it plenty of times before. The BDS movement has met with the most success on college campuses, where it is framed as a social justice opportunity to fight for an oppressed minority— playing on the emotions of students who aren't fully informed. Guest hosting this week is my colleague, Meggie Wishagrod-Fredman, Senior Director of AJC's Alexander Young Leadership Department. She's sitting down with Natalie and Jeffrey for a conversation about what to expect as many students head back to campus for the fall term. Meggie, the mic is yours. Natalie and Jeffrey, thank you for joining us on People of the Pot. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much, Meggie. So I want to jump right into things. We have listeners who may be decades removed from the college experience, and we have listeners who might be headed to campus for the very first time in just a few weeks. So I want to help them understand what the Jewish student experience on campus is today. In particular, what are the challenges? What are trends that we've seen emerge on campus? And I often like to think about it like this when talking to people who might be a little far removed from campus. We hear and read about a lot of increased anti-Semitism, growing anti-Israel rhetoric. And for two people come from different lenses, of course, Natalie, you are still on campus. And Jeffrey, you have a purview of understanding the campus uh, landscape nationally. What's actually happening and what are you experiencing? So, Natalie, maybe we'll turn to you first to hear about what that is like in Cambridge and then Jeffrey will turn to you. Sure. Thank you so much. I mean, I always say that Harvard actually I don't think is, for context, I am a rising senior at Harvard. Harvard is not the worst place to be in terms of anti-Israel activity. There's a lot of people who don't care about that as much. You know, some people are pre-med, some people are very focused on finance, and then the Israeli-Palestinian conflict isn't necessarily top of their mind. But there also is a large percentage of the student population that is very interested in politics. We have a master's in public policy program at the Kennedy School. So obviously that chunk of students is going to be more invested in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I think that definitely things have gotten significantly worse from when I first joined. I think The rhetoric has increased. I think COVID, when none of these things were happening, kind of gave a lot of these groups a new wind of energy. And especially in the culmination of the Harvard Crimson's endorsement of BDS, we can see that this is sort of more taking hold of what one might consider to be the mainstream culture of campuses. Thank you for that, Natalie. And Jeffrey, I mean, with that national perspective, of course, as our assistant director of campus affairs. What's your read? What are the trends like? And is what we read about the campus experience, is that translating to reality? So I would like to build off what Natalie just said, that there is certainly a increasing level of angst amongst Jewish college students across the country and the world for that matter. And I think that a turning point here was the Israel-Hamas conflict in 2021. We saw 
so much anti-Zionism and anti-Judaism online and in person across the country and the world. And it's a never-ending struggle for Jewish students to have their voices heard and to have nuanced conversations around what it means to be a Jewish student on a college campus today. Another thing that I've that we at AJC have seen as a current trend here is the way that anti-Zionism has led to the exclusion and the discrimination of Jewish college students into certain clubs on campuses, into student governments at campuses across the country. It's becoming a bit of a litmus test for Jewish students on campuses across the country. If, if you support Israel, therefore you're not allowed to join certain groups on college campuses. And I believe that the, as Natalie said, COVID certainly played a major role in this. Students having much more time on social media and being removed from campus. And it also, the conflict in 2021 really was the culmination of multiple years of building momentum to a tipping point. So I want to delve into something that both of you raised from different lenses. Natalie, you raised the editorial from the Crimson, which supported BDS. Jeffrey, you raised student governments. So it feels like campuses often exemplify this small but loud conundrum, this idea that we have small groups whether it be a student government, whether it be an editorial board, whether it be a student for justice in Palestine, who perhaps are small in number, but play an outsized role in creating an environment, the environment really surrounding Israel on campus. And there's a challenge there because while they may not be representative of wider campus opinion, they are the soapbox, right? They are who the community is listening to. So what should students know about how to deal with these types of scenarios when you have smaller groups who are setting the tone, what the campus experience is like? Jeffrey, why don't we start with you? So I will say that it really is circumstantial to the campus that the student is attending. You know, at certain campuses, there's going to be a loud SJP chapter and others. SJP might not be there at all. So really, there's not a one-track approach to this in terms of Jewish life on campus. But I will say what I've witnessed while working with Jewish students across the country is the student leaders understand the issues. They understand when they see anti-Semitism, they speak out against it to both their student peers and their faculty members. And the best thing that you can do is to be loud and proud and not let the narrative be set by students who have a visceral negative agenda towards the state of Israel and towards the Jewish community at large. And Natalie, what about from where you sit? And of course, you have a very unique perspective on this very issue. I definitely want to echo what Jeffrey said with the caveat that I think many students don't feel like they can speak up. They're afraid of being canceled. They're afraid of professional ramifications in some regards. I've had students come up to me to say they're not sure whether they can write pro-Israel editorials in the Crimson because they want to apply to med school or some finance job, and they don't want that to be the first thing that pops up when someone searches them on the internet because places do do that these days. I think also very often we're trying to tread super carefully especially people who find themselves more toward the center or maybe left pro-Israel, but left-leaning, because there's always an effort to be extremely conciliatory and kind of acknowledge 
that the other side has a lot of salient points, which the other side might have some salient points depending on what your perspective is. But at the same time, that's often at the expense of really coming out with a strong and unified uh, response to anti-Israel activity on campus. So let's delve into that, uh, about that fear of, of response. I mean, often the easy route, not the courageous route, but the easy route is inaction. And at the end of the day, they're like you fleshed out, Natalie, at times can feel like there are, whether it's social or professional repercussions for standing up for what is right. Of course, Natalie, you did not take that path. You took a very strong and very public statement when the Crimson came out in support of BDS. Talk to us about what, first of all, motivated your own personal courage to do that? And then the second part is I would love our audiences to hear about what advice you have, because like you mentioned, for many students, they want to keep their head down. What advice do you have to your peers to not take that easy route and take the courageous route? So I happen to be, as I mentioned in my editorial piece, an associate news editor for the Crimson, meaning I'm only involved with the news board of the Crimson. I'm not affiliated with the editorial board. I have no oversight on what they write. But that being said, I am obviously still affiliated with the Crimson as an organization, just as the editorial board is affiliated with the Crimson as an organization. And so I felt the need to make clear that this is not something that I stand for, and this is not something that I represent. And I personally have never had any qualms about making my opinions heard, regardless of how popular or unpopular they may be. And I think another thing to me that was motivating was how much traction this piece was gaining and feeling like there hadn't really been any sort of pushback that was either from students or I felt like from someone, you know, sometimes you have more controversial figures who are voicing pushback, but something from a random student where people read it and they say, oh, wow, there's this random student. I don't know her. Maybe I've seen her a few times in the dining hall or something, but listen, she's talking. Like there are a lot of professors who are always going to be very vocal and you know who they are. Like, you know, Alan Dershowitz is going to come out with a pro-Israel piece. And I thank him for doing that, but it's kind of, you know, students expect that. And at this point, they kind of disregard it. So there needs to be someone who's coming out of the woodwork who's going to say, hey, yes, these people, these professors are expressing their opinions, but there are also a lot of students who are standing with them. And Natalie, what advice would you have for fellow students to take that route? So I feel like my, some might call my attitude towards, you know, Jeffrey mentioned people feel like they can't be a part of an organization if they are pro-Israel. My attitude is a little bit defeatist, but also it has a lot of taking initiative involved in it. So I think that if an entire organization is extremely anti-Israel, you're not going to be able to persuade that organization to just change and accept you. And also you'll find that if you are in that organization and you're trying to voice pro-Israel opinions, no one's going to listen to you. They're just going to say, okay, they'll either kick you out or you'll be completely overwhelmed because you are such a minority. And so I think the important thing to do is to find other mediums through which you can express your pro-Israel opinion. So if it's some kind of publication, if you start your own publication, take initiative in that regard. If it's the editorial board itself and you feel like you're on the editorial board and your views are not being represented, you write your own opinion piece in contrast to what they're saying. So I think you're just going to find yourself frustrated if your entire attitude is, I must infiltrate these organizations and change their perspectives because a lot of times people in these organizations cannot be persuaded. So take initiative. Don't be afraid to speak out in whatever way you can and just look for those opportunities in which it's possible to speak out. We are living in a era of deep national political and societal divisiveness. 
college campuses, and I think this is the hope and the beacon for so many, are supposed to serve as this open exchange of ideas. Sadly, I think we're seeing this somewhat dissipate. I mean, we have this movement where many comedians, many political figures will actually are refusing to come and speak or perform on college campuses for just this reason. Um, so, Natalie, let's start with you. But what do you think or do you think that this divisiveness has had any effect on Jewish students' ability to, to build allyship and understanding around Israel and calling out anti-Semitism? So I think that the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, as is clear, has really been wrapped up in the whole intersectional conflict that pervades college campuses today. So whether it be LGBTQ plus issues, issues of racial justice, there's very much this perception that Israel sort of falls on the right wing side of the spectrum rather than just something that is kind of separate from that. And I feel like students often who are more to the left in the conflict, so students who might be more in favor of a two-state solution or students who might just be left wing generally, but really are extremely pro-Israel. And that's the one issue where they fall in the quote unquote right wing of the spectrum, feel very, very intimidated to actually voice their opinions. And they're exactly the students that we need to be vocal because people need to see that it's not just, you know, the extremely right wing students who are willing to be pro-Israel. So like the Harvard Republican Club will always say, do you need us to issue a pro-Israel statement? And I appreciate their support for it, but I feel like people know and people already conflate that perspective with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. What we need more is a set of voices who are more left-wing and are more progressive on a lot of other issues, social issues, political issues, who are willing to really voice their support. And Jeffrey, what are you seeing from the national perspective? Does that divisiveness, is it seeping into other campuses when it comes to talking about Israel and calling out anti-Semitism? Yes, uh, sadly, absolutely it is. And uh, I, I completely agree with everything Natalie just said in terms of we need students who uh, identify with the progressive wing of of campus life to uh, be proud and, and open about their support for Israel because they are they are important voices to that need to have that need to be heard on this in this conversation. But unfortunately, really, the, a, a, a more troubling trend is what happens around BDS and what it does is it shuts down conversation. So. There's not even an opportunity to have a nuanced and intelligent conversation around the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. It just immediately demonizes the individual, calling them racist. You know, it's an apartheid state. These these triggering words that, instead of encouraging conversation amongst bright individuals, which we know all of our students' leaders are bright individuals, it, it, it instead immediately shuts down the dialogue and. Unfortunately, for those of us who care deeply about this issue, that can lead to deep frustration and it can lead to people just checking out and saying, I don't need this in my life. And we've seen way too much of that across the country with, you know, really incredibly talented Jewish student leaders who just say, for my own mental health and stability, I need to take a break from this situation because it's starting to negatively impact me deeply. For the first part of our conversation, we really outlined the tremendous challenges. I know, and I know you both know and live this, that there's immense opportunity and also immense vibrancy surrounding Jewish communal life. So I want to be sure to turn to that. Um, and Natalie, we'll start first with you. But my two questions for you are, what makes you hopeful about Jewish student life today? 
And also, what makes you excited to head back to campus? At this point, we're very identity focused as a culture. So people gravitate towards groups who have similar identities to them, whatever it may be, whether it be racial or sexual identity or anything else, political identity. So I think that what gives me hope is that Judaism, obviously for many students, is an important part of their identity. And that brings them closer to places like Harvard Hillel, Chabad on campus, because they recognize that maybe they don't fit into one of these other groups, right? But they do have, they'll always have this space of Jewish life on campus that will provide them support. And Jeffrey, I know you mentioned, but you're talking to me from Berlin, where you are traveling with AJC's Goldman Fellows. That alone probably is reason to be hopeful about Jewish student life. But I want to pose the same question. What makes you hopeful about Jewish student life today? Every day I have the privilege of speaking with student leaders from around the world who care deeply about the Jewish people, about the future of Jewish life on campus. And despite all the challenges, I always begin my conversations with students that it's, it's never been a better time to be a Jewish student on campus. There are so many great resources to tap into. The community is alive and strong and I am inspired every day I get to the opportunity to speak with student leaders because they have not given up hope far from it. They care deeply and they believe in the fact that there will be a brighter future ahead of us. That alone is all the inspiration I need to give them the support from an AJC perspective. For our students who may have unfortunately either experienced, whether it be a anti-Israel climate or a anti-Semitic incident, or perhaps a faculty member who has um, expressed anti-Israel views or views that actually might very much be critical of, of the very identity of a Jewish student. What advice do you have or what tools would you suggest? So Natalie, let's start with you. So I think there's often a fear of bringing in very strong pro-Israel voices to campus because there's this idea of, does this mean if Hillel brings in a pro-Israel speaker with a particular perspective on the issue, does this mean every student who's affiliated with Hillel is endorsing this perspective? And I think we have to emphasize and explain to students that, no, that doesn't mean that that's the case. And it's super important to bring in many pro-Israel voices and people who students are going to be excited to hear from, whether it be they're excited because they hate this person, you're going to see a protest, or it be that people are really enthused to hear what this speaker has to say. And the idea is the more attention that you're giving it, the more attention that you're bringing to it, the more people are going to pay attention and maybe also stop to think that your side has some good points. Because the idea right now is the other side can bring in this crazy speaker who says the most outrageous things. So at Harvard, they brought in Norman Finkelstein, who's essentially has affiliated himself with Holocaust deniers before, and no one said anything, right? But the idea is if we also bring in some speakers, not that we want the equivalent of that, because that is crazy, but speakers who have some controversial views and have some views that will get students excited, even if not all students agree with them, that's important to do. Uh, and then in terms of an anti-Israel faculty member, I think, of course, there's always it's always important to turn to faculty members who do support Israel and remember that they are there. 
You can find lists on petitions that faculty members have signed in past. I know I personally have referenced letters that faculty members have signed um, in my own studies. But then also, if you do really feel like you are being discriminated against as a student and you have some kind of tangible proof, then it's worth perhaps turning to a higher authority, whether it be the chair of the department, your faculty advisor, perhaps even the administration of your university, if you feel like it's a very pervasive issue. So I want to close us out with this for our listeners who are headed to campus for the first time to start their freshman year and they have their college experience. It's bright and it's completely just ahead of them. What's one piece of advice you would give for Jewish students heading to campus? And Natalie, let's start with you. So one piece of advice is to, and maybe this sounds so cliche, but it's not a given these days, is really to be brave. Don't be afraid to speak out. There is this idea that you get from having the anti-Israel crowd on campus be the most loud and the most willing to say awful, insulting things. But really, there are so many students who are in support of you and appreciate what you're doing. So I would never have expected random students to reach out to me and say, thank you for what you did when I wrote my, my editorial piece. I mean, saying thank you for what you did you spoke for all of us, even if we weren't able to say it ourselves. So I think don't underestimate the support for Israel on campus, but just remember that for the exact same reasons you're afraid to speak up, hundreds of other students are also afraid to speak up. Jeffrey, what about you? What's one piece of advice you'd give to our students who are heading to campus for the first time? You are entering a time of your life that is going to be the most transformational and meaningful uh, four years, or if you consider going to graduate school or master's degree afterwards, uh, six to eight years, and enter this time with an open mind, with positivity. And as Natalie said, there is a strong community that has your back. And if you want to get involved through advocacy, please reach out to organizations like American Jewish Committee who have the experience and the resources to really support you in whatever your goals and dreams are in the Jewish communal space. Well, I have to say, I am so hopeful and uplifted from having this conversation with both of you. Jeffrey and Natalie, thank you for bringing your expertise, your perspective to us here today at AJC. To learn more about what is happening on campus um, and how AJC plays a important role, you can head to www.ajc.org slash campus. And Natalie and Jeffrey, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having us, Maggie. Thank you very much. If you missed last week's episode, be sure to listen to the conversation between my colleague Melanie Marin Pell and author Walter Russell Mead about his new book, Ark of a Covenant, on the history and importance of the U.S.-Israel alliance. Thank you for listening. This episode is brought to you by AJC. Our producer is Atara Lakritz. Our sound engineer is TK Broderick. You can subscribe to People of the Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or learn more at ajc.org slash peopleofthepod. The views and opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the positions of AJC. We'd love to hear your views and opinions or your questions. You can reach us at peopleofthepod at ajc.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to tell your friends, tag us on social media with hashtag peopleofthepod, and hop on to Apple Podcasts to rate us and write a review to help more listeners find us. Tune in next week for another episode of People of the Pod. 